Some people clap on a one and three. Some people clap on a two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm, and that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive them. I'm like Scott and Tommy Corbins. I'm like Pete Southtown, Zan Zan. I'm always speaking my mind, but I'm better off by my tongue. I'm a bad show at the wrong time. Still, I'm a legend of my own mind. I'm good for the song, but I'm not for Welcome to another episode of Two Ales and Hockey Tales with Wally. And today, I am so excited to have on a 65-year-old from East York, Ontario. He was the head coach of the Brampton and North Bay Battalion for 22 seasons. He's the two-time head coach of Canada's World Junior Team and also a gold medalist for the 18 and under as the head coach for Team Canada. Welcome to the podcast, Stan Butler. How are you today? Yeah, thanks very much, Brent. I appreciate that. Uh, you're making me feel old because uh, many, many years ago, I remember when we uh, drafted you in uh, in Brampton. And uh, it's funny how people reconnect so much later on in life. It, it is. And uh, everybody kind of intersects with hockey at different points. And yes, um, we did not intersect for very long, but you did draft me last overall <laughs> do you remember i was the very last pick of the draft well i wasn't going to bring that up but yes i the 1983 uh, draft and it was interesting because it was two days of the draft so the second day you were allowed to uh pick uh you know the, the top 83s you got and each team got to pick eight guys so we were fortunate enough to to pick you and obviously you went on to college hockey and proved us that uh we were picking players that had talent. Well, yeah. Well, I, so I, yeah, well, thank you. Um, I, there's a few things I remember about my short time in Brampton. Um, one of them was when I made the decision to, instead of play an exhibition game was to in fact, go home and try and get the scholarship. And I remember having a very short conversation with you in the lobby of the Brampton arena. And, uh, you just said, you know, we're not sure. We're not sure where you fit in. You're still pretty undersized. You're pretty young. Um, but we did think you were going to be on the team and maybe you haven't played as well this time as I think it was like the summer camp. But um, you were so honest with me and you said, you know, if you think you sh can get a scholarship, then go that route. And I think there's a lot of people in the hockey world that – don't do the best thing for the kid. And you did that for me. Well, I've always, uh, you know, I've always tried to be as honest as I can with people. And the way I look at life is that there's a chance you might always run back into somebody. And, and the one thing you want people to always say about you is you're honest with them. And, you know, and, and fortunately or unfortunately, as, as, as I got older and stayed in the game, uh, Sometimes that uh, the honesty that you gave people was not what uh, people wanted to hear anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, people have gotten a little bit more sensitive too, right. Than they used to be maybe in the game. Well, Hey, to me, it's, 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 a, it's a sport where, you know, you got to communicate and you got to be honest. And I, you know, as an athlete, I'd always want to know exactly where I stand. And I mean, I think I did that a lot over my years in, in major junior uh, when there was players that were undeciding on what to do, I, I always, you know, told the players that, hey, if you think you can get a scholarship and that's the best thing for you, then, you know, by all means, you know, that's that's what you should do. Because the last thing you want to do is, uh, you know, a you know, player plays exhibition games or whatever, and then it doesn't work out. And then, you know, in the back of their mind is always, well, you know, uh, maybe I had other opportunities in the game of hockey. Yeah. And I, I think that's how you stay on a team for 22 seasons is by being a good person, treating people with respect. And I just want to say thank you. And as we, I, as we've been saying on this podcast, give you your pad tap. Cause I had a couple goalies on and that we were giving each other a pad tap. So <laughs> that's it. So thank you. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess uh, the next thing is where and what are you doing now? Well, basically uh 
I'm basically not doing a whole lot. I, I guess uh, I have a title still with the organization, special advisor to the owner. Um, you know, uh, at this particular time with COVID on, there's really not much to do. Um, I live in North Bay, Ontario. Uh, I stayed here after uh, my, you know, uh, my coaching was done with the battalion. And uh, I, I live with my dog, Crosby. He's a Siberian Husky and named after uh, a former, uh, a player that I spent a lot of summers with training uh, many years ago in California. I had the privilege of training the player and uh, developed a strong relationship with him and the family. So I thought it was only appropriate to name my dog after. Well, yeah, no, that's a, yeah, he's pretty well the, one of the best of all time. So yeah, I, I've never had the chance of meeting him, but that that's pretty neat that you've got to know them and train with them because you do get to know people very well in the summers like I got to know quite a few NHLers just from training in the summers you know in your little your little tribe or wherever um, you're living there's the handful of pro hockey players that all find each other right yeah you got to get on the ice and you got to play and I mean I used to go was actually I I still remember uh I, I went to, I, I ran camps for CAA, which is Pat Brisson, which is a big hockey agency out of California. And I remember uh, the first year was kind of interesting because uh, there was this 14 year old kid coming to this camp and all the other guys are already NHL first round draft picks. And I was like, you know, it was a really interesting situation. And then, you know, what happened was they asked me if I, you know, would like, if I mind having a roommate. And I said, yeah, no problem. And guy come in and says hi i'm troy i said hi i'm stan i said what are you doing here he says my son's here so how old's your son he says was well, 14 we're from halifax so i came across so we were really the only two adults at the camp and i was like what's a 14 year old doing in this camp and then the next day i got on the ice with him and uh you know it uh, it's it's fact it's all factual in his book if you ever read gary joy's book on him but i ran the practice the next day and i couldn't believe how good he was and eddie meal was there and Eddie was a good friend of Wayne Gretzky's and, and he told Wayne and the next day, uh, Wayne lived about 30 minutes away in California and he came to the rink and pulled his hockey equipment out of the back. And I don't think I was ever so nervous to run a practice. And I said to him, like, what am I supposed to say to you? He says, you say the same thing to me as you say to all the kids. And uh, that was the first time Crosby and uh, Gretzky met. And I was lucky enough for to be running the practice so there's a trivia question for your podcast that a lot of people might not know Brett wow no I I had no idea wow that's uh that that's a cool life experience it's like I always find when I watch an NHL game I enjoy watching a lot more when I know guys playing um I just because then I can watch a certain player and zone in on them and for you to know the best around for the last decade um that's uh that's pretty wild that's pretty yeah cool. it's kind of been neat i've got to go to a couple of day i have a special needs daughter and we i got to take her to a couple stanley cup uh, parties in cool harbor that were pretty neat and uh yeah i've been pretty lucky i mean when i look at your age i had a guy named jason spezza that's the same age as you that's still playing uh for the leafs and i mean zadeno chara played for me out in prince george so Brent Burns and then go on and on, but I've been really, really lucky that I've been blessed to have the opportunity to coach a lot of great players. Well, I, I could keep talking about that story all night, but I'll we tell bet. you, it's funny. You're telling me you're in Concordia and I can tell you, I'll tell you one quick funny story. It'll take you, but one of the best hockey players up your area is a kid named Ryan O'Reilly and his mother is a, her name is Bonnie Bowler. And, uh, Here's another thing no one will know, but uh, I, I coached uh, Bonnie uh, in basketball for years in the East End of Toronto. So it was quite funny when I first met uh, Ryan, uh, you know, uh, that he was a bowler. Uh, his mom was a bowler and that uh, I used to coach her in basketball. And now he's turned into probably one of the best hockey players around. But his mom was a heck of a basketball player. So I'm not surprised. Well, and speaking of the tribes and the pro hockey players that find each other was when I first moved to Concord and I didn't know anybody, didn't know any of the hockey players around. And I just showed up at the YMCA in Godrich because I heard there was free ice at 6 a.m. And then all of a sudden there, there was like seven to eight professional hockey players coming on the ice right after. And I'm out there with my equipment on. And they're like, well, do you want to skate with us? And then next thing you know, 
O'Reilly's rented out the ice every day, basically. Uh, we got to keep the locker room the whole time. And it was like, I was a pro hockey player in the summer and it just was a random that I moved up here and he was nice enough and had the ice and he wanted more players that could play out there. So I did get to skate with him a few times. So it is a small world, this hockey world, isn't it? Yeah. It's uh, it's, they always say everything comes back to somewhere. Yeah. Okay. So my real question then, cause now I'm intrigued because you were coaching basketball. <clears throat> I'm starting to think maybe you didn't really have a playing career. You just enjoyed coaching. You know what? It was so true. I actually was a school teacher for 15 years in Scarborough. And my last job with the school board is I was a phys ed consultant. And people that knew me in those days would tell you that, you know, I coached everything in schools. Like I won a lot of basketball championships, volleyball championships. And basically that's where I thought my career would take me. And I started coaching hockey at the Wexford Raiders, which was a hockey organization in the East End of Toronto while I was teaching. And I actually coached uh, one age group, the 72 age group. And I coached those guys, you know, from peewee up till midget. And, uh, you know, we were lucky enough to win all Ontario peewee, all Ontario Bantam, all Ontario midget, Quebec peewee. I went up to the junior team for five years and we won five championships. And then all of a sudden I got a call from the Oshawa Generals asking me if I would want to coach in the OHL. And, you know, it was one of those things that I thought, well, you know what, why don't I try this for a year or two and see how it goes. And I eventually left teaching and went to hockey full time. So yes, I, I never planned. It was, I didn't go to university and, and, and take three university degrees and my principal's courses and all those things. I thought might, I might end up being the director of education. I didn't think I'd ever be a, a hockey coach. Well, everybody finds their path, right. And what, what, what I guess their passion is. And uh, like, I think it's cool that that's how it all pans out. Right. Is a guy that, so you never did play hockey. Yeah, I played, I mean, I, I played, uh, I played up the junior, uh, like what they call junior B now. Um, I, you know, I played triple A hockey and things like that, you know, when I was young and in the community I was at, but you know, I was by no means, I was, I was a good athlete. I played a lot of sports, but I mean, hockey was not, you know, like in those days, uh, you know, an inner city kid from Toronto, you played a lot of sports, but you never focused on anything, you know, directly. Okay. So I guess we kind of got into it. Cause my question was, you know, you got into coaching, but then how you got the battalion job, because um, I, my research team, which is me, um, did see, cause I remember, I think I was drafted. It was the, so I was coming in, it would have been your second year of existence. Right. And the first year must've been a real grind. Cause I think you won about five games or something. Yeah, it was tough. Like what happened is, yeah, my, my career is I started with Oshawa. I was there for two years. Uh, my first year in Oshawa, we set a record for NHL draft. We had 10 players drafted off that team. I don't think that record will ever be broken. Uh, in the two years there, then I went out to the Western Hockey League and I coached the Prince George Cougars. And that's where I had Chara. And we had nine guys on that team playing the National Hockey League. And then I came back and I started Brampton. So the first year in Brampton, we, we looked at the team and we just decided we were going to go really, really young. So we were basically almost a midget hockey team. We didn't have any older guys. And Is that yeah, when Spezza we, played underage? Like, yeah, Spezza played as an underage uh you know, we had Rafi Torres, who was drafted in the sixth round that year, and guys like that, Jeff Bateman. Uh, Jay Harrison was our first ever pick who played for the Leafs. Uh, so we drafted those guys. And then the second year, uh, we drafted Jay McClement. Yeah, and that's my age. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened was our first year, we won six games, I believe. I mean, Mississauga, believe it or not, won less. And then the next year, we actually made the playoffs in year two. So that first year, uh, having coached pretty much every sport I coached and every um, sport and, you know, won at everything I did, that was a long season. But we, we saw light at the end of the tunnel. And we felt that was the only way to do it, to end up being a pretty good team. And by year three, we, we were one of the top teams in the league. Um, I just had an actual, this is not on the notes. <clears throat> I haven't had this memory in a very, very long time. I can't 
I re- it's just talking to you right now. I just had a memory of being at the under 17 camp in the Toronto university, one of those universities down there. Yeah. Probably York university. Yeah. And, um, I was there and it was the first time I've ever been around like the very best of my age group. Um, which was like the final camp of team Ontario. And I had never been around players like that. And this is another reason why I think you last so long in the game and how interesting you got into it. I find is because you walked up to me in the lobby when you had already drafted me. And I think I had an injury. I think my arm was like twice the size of my other one, but you just walked up to me and said, you do realize that, you're here for a reason and you're as good as these guys. Right. And I never had that confidence in myself. And somehow you saw that without really knowing me. Well, I, I knew you're a really talented player. Like, uh, Oh, I, I could see the skill level you had. And I mean, obviously, you know, I, you weren't the biggest guy in the world, but you know, different people grow at different stages and develop at different times. But you know, I, I think sometimes what happens with guys that don't come out of the GTHL, they come out of the OMHA and that is they, they don't, the GTHL kids don't lack confidence and the OMHA kids sometimes need confidence. And, you know, what I, you know, when I see a player of your talent, you just want to say to the guy, hey, you're here because you're good. So realize that and go out and play. You're, you're not here on a paid vacation for five days to, live in a residence and eat some food. Yeah, no, that's weird that that stuck with me that I still (laughs) remember that because I kind of had a similar time when I first went pro and I got into the AHL, I kind of had that similar, like, holy shit, look at these guys moment. Kind of like when I went to Brampton and when I went to that under 17 um, camp and it was just interesting (laughs) how, how you picked up on that just by, I guess, watching me play and, um, yeah. Anyways. Okay. There's that well, story. I mean, that, that, that's, that's important. Like I always say to players, Brent, and I said it right till I stopped coaching. If you don't believe in yourself, how can you expect anybody else to believe in you? Right. Yeah, no, it's very true. And it's like that in every aspect of life, right? It's the same with any job you do. You got to do it with confidence and you got to do the best you can. And you got to be confident about what you're doing or, you know? Well, and the, and the other thing too, is I don't think growth incurs unless you're out of your comfort zone. So I think the great thing about those under 17 camps is when guys go to it for a lot of guys, it's when the first time they're really uncomfortable and you know, you, you get to see how they handle that. Yeah. So anyways, I didn't mean to talk about my stuff at all there, but it just was a memory I thought I'd bring up. Cause I found that very interesting when you said that to me that day, cause it stuck with me for a while, but anyways, you brought up Rafi Torres and um, he, like, this is some of the stuff I remember is that he was at training camp when I was there, which um, he was running guys over. He was scoring goals. Um, I saw him hit people harder than I've ever seen anybody hit people. Um, and he was also then go top cheese and um then after a practice or something, he drove me to my, my billets or wherever I was staying. And he drove that truck just like he played hockey. I like, he, it was reckless. <laughs> it was, it was reckless. I was I'm not scared. surprised. I'm not surprised. Yeah. So no, I think Rafi, that's just the way Rafi lives. You know, I mean, I actually went to his retirement party there, uh, year or two ago and uh i mean pretty much all the stories are pretty consistent the way we all remember them right from the day started in junior till his last game in the national hockey league uh no he was really nice to me though for just being a young punk of a rookie he was nice enough and he drove me wherever i had to go and no like i really liked him for the very brief 48 hours or whatever what i was there um okay so my, I think that's uh, when you coach the world juniors, is he not on that team? Cause yeah, I, that's, I remember that because yeah. I would have been drafted by both of you and I'm watching the world juniors going, wow. Like I could have been on that team with those two. Yeah, no, he Rafi, the first year I was the head coach. I mean, 99, I was the assistant coach. Tom Rennie was the head coach and Claude Julian and I were the assistants. And then in 
2001 was the first time I was the head coach and then Russia and Raf was on that team. In fact, he got the winning goal in the bronze medal game. Uh, uh, Spezza won the face off to him and he won time to pass a goalie named uh, Hendrik Lundqvist. That's right. He wasn't a bad goalie in the NHL. Yeah, no, actually, I think it's kind of crazy that I think I actually remember that goal. <laughs> and that's how much people love watching the World Juniors in Canada, right? Everybody remembers and they hang on on to every play for years and years, right? Yeah, no, and that's why our country is so good because we love hockey. And, you know, the one thing about Canadians, we're, we're, we're such a society where we take the back step a lot of times in so many situations, but hockey is the one thing we stick our chest out and we believe we're the best in. And, and, we, and you know, it's, it's great to see that as a country. Uh, yeah, that is very true. Um, where was I going next? Um, I guess, so you did, like, that's the thing, is you got to be the world junior head coach for two seasons. That is an incredible feat for a guy that was coaching um, basketball. Right. Yeah. A guy that was coaching basketball, girls, volleyball, uh, a little bit of soccer, uh, you know, whoever would have guessed. I mean, if, if someone had me write up my uh, goals in life and stuff like that, A, I never thought I'd end up being a, co- a hockey coach and B, to add to that, I never thought I'd be Team Canada's coach. Well, wow, it's very, very impressive. And um, that is why I just re- reached out to you. I'm sh- I was wondering if like, so do you remember all the players you draft? Because I was wondering if you would even remember me or if you had to do some digging to try and yeah, figure no, out no, who I, I was. Knew, I, I knew, you know what? Not only do I remember draft and, you know, I could probably tell you the order that we drafted uh, that year. Um, and I also followed your career a lot after you left because just because players don't play for the battalion players that you draft you want to see them do well and you know I knew you went to Western Michigan I mean I've been to Lawson Arena enough times in Kalamazoo and um, you know it's kind of neat to watch guys like I said yeah I had players go to Western Michigan and uh, it's kind of neat to follow the career and I mean when you got the scholarship and you know you played very well there I mean that just reaffirmed what I knew about you was that uh, you were a talented player and uh it's just happy to see guys go on and, and get what they want. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, I guess that's what this podcast is, is I get to talk to all these people that I get to, I got to watch their career because we intersected at some point and we intersected. We had a couple conversations that when you're a 15 year old kid, you remember that the, the head coach of the OHL team says to you, and I think those coaches in the world have a very important job, right? Because those kids hang on everything you say, right? Well, and I mean, what you're trying to do is not not only are you helping them in their hockey careers, but you're trying to help them in life. And, you know, like at the end of the day, what do they say? 2% of players in the Ontario Hockey League make the NHL or whatever, and it's the best development league in the world. So you're going to have a lot of players that go on do other things and you know quite frankly when you coach as long as me I have lawyers I have doctors I have police officers I have you know I mean I think Nathan Parrott lives up up around your area and he you know he's working up there and uh, I think the power generation plant so I mean different guys are going to do different things and it's always neat for me to when I talk to former players of mine and you know they'll you know they'll bring up something about what I said to them or and how they apply it to being a parent with their kids or in their job or whatever. That's what I always tried to do. I always tried to uh, not just be a coach for players, but be, you know, someone that uh, was a mentor and someone that could uh, try to shape uh, how they looked at things and hopefully allow them to do things later in life that, you know, would help, that would stay with them forever. Yeah, no, I, I think that's exactly what you did. Um, yeah, and uh, I guess that's why I wanted to bring you on for your pad tap because the very brief moment I knew you, yeah, uh, it, it's obvious who the good guys are in hockey, um, and yeah, you definitely showed me that in the brief time I knew you. Um, but anyways, a couple more questions. Was I guess you already answered one of them, which is uh, some of the best co- players you've coached, which I believe we got off. I'm going to start with Crosby and O'Reilly or all these names. Um, but what are some of the best seasons you had as a, as a head coach? 
Well, I mean, uh, 208, 209, we lost in the finals to uh, to Windsor in the finals, the OHL final. That was a that was a tough uh, year. They ended up winning the Memorial Cup. That was a stacked team with Taylor Hall, Ryan Ellis, uh, Adam Henrik. They were a heck of a team. Uh, that was an exciting year in Brampton. I mean, I think in the 15 years we were in Brampton, we won our division five times. I think we went to at least more than one round of the playoffs I, I want to say eight times. I mean, we, you know, which, which is hard to do. And we always played in a, you know, like unfortunately in an empty arena. So once you got the playoff time, teams had a real advantage. I think my first year in North Bay uh, was a, was a great year because we weren't picked to be very good. We didn't have a guy with over 60 points on our team and we upset Oshawa on the Eastern conference. And that was DJ Smith's team. And we ended up losing to Guelph in the final. Uh, when I went to Prince George, they hadn't made the playoffs in 15 years uh, before I got there. And we went that year was a Cinderella year. We were the eighth seed and we knocked off the Portland Winterhawks um, in the first round of the playoffs. And that was guys like Brendan Morrill and Marion Hosa. And then in the second round, we knocked off a very good Spokane team coach for a guy, a guy named Mike Babcock. And so to go to the finals with that team is neat. And then obviously, you know, even though it was only junior A, but at Wexford to win four consecutive, now they would call Dudley Hewitt Cups in a row with all different players. And in the five years I was there, we had 70 full ride scholarships. So that would give you a perspective, uh, you being a, a guy going that, uh, you know, that was pretty good too. I don't think too many junior A teams did that most times. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So the Wexford Raiders, that was, so that's the tier two junior A, right? Yeah, like uh, that was Anson Carter, uh, who's drafted out of there and then played at Michigan State, played in the NHL, Stephen Guala, um, you 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 name it. I mean, I, I we would pump out of between 12 and 15 full rides a year on that team. So they just and come, come we, in, play we, a year or two, and they're gone. And they just keep Yeah, just one, one year, most, most guys are one and done. A lot of – and a few guys would play two. But, you know, like we had guys go like – I mean, you look at the CCHA at the time. We had guys go to Western Michigan, Miami of Ohio, Michigan, Michigan State. Um, we had a lot of guys go to Harvard, Yale, Dartmouth, Union, Clarkson, St. Lawrence, uh, UMass, Lowell, Maine. So, like, so the Elmira Sugar Kings, I don't think there was ever a time other than like when you're in the finals or maybe the semifinals that there was more than maybe a handful of scouts in the crowd. So if you're getting that many scholarships, there's people showing up to watch the games. Yeah. We used to play home games, Brent on Sunday nights at Scarborough arena gardens. And it wasn't uncommon to see, you know, red Barons and Ron Mason and Bill Wilkinson um, all at the game on Sunday nights. Um, yeah. We, we developed a really good program. And in those days, if you wanted to go, the U.S. college and you lived in the Toronto area. That's kind of where most of the guys came to play. Us and, and St. Mike's, I guess. And so then, like, to get that many scholarships and have that many good players, um, what's enticing them there? Is it you being a good guy or is there some money exchanging hands? There's no money. Um, I never got paid to coach. I, was, I had a really good job as a teacher. I, I was a, a volunteer coach at that time. Um, no. Really what about the coach. players? Uh, the players came because I think the coaching was good. Uh, yeah. And they knew we had a really good program. And the U.S. college guys, they, they would take our players because they knew they were trained well. And all the players we had, we had a lot of All-Americans play for us. Like a lot of our guys went on and had great college careers. So I think when you're a college coach and there's certain schools that, you know, would look at that and say, you know, we want players from that program. And the guys were coming out of a winning program. They knew how to win. I, I totally agree with that. I think that's, so I guess that's part of my story um, is I learned how to win um, when I didn't stay with you because I went back to Elmira and we ended up winning the championship. And I think that really shaped my career because I did win in junior and learned about playing 20 something games in the playoffs and playing three best of sevens and round robins and all we had to do to win that. Um, and yeah, we just had Jeff Snyder. It was Jeff Snyder, your coach at the time. Then? Yeah, I was right after him. I was a super fan when he was the coach. It was uh, Kevin block. I had three different coaches in three years in Elmira, but uh, when we won, it was Dave officer, which was the high school guidance counselor. 
because okay. our coach so got he, fired so halfway he was, through. He was he was very similar to me. Like I was. He coached figure the, skating before. Yeah, he was a figure skating yeah. coach. Yeah. No, he yeah, is just was, like uh, you. Yeah, I mean, I was a phys ed teacher, um, and that's what I did. I I I coached uh, the junior A team just because I had played hockey at Wexford and I was given back. Yeah, this guy actually came up with a five on 04 check, though. So you're not like him. He didn't quite know as much about hockey as you, but yeah, no, um, no, he, no, he did I, the best I, he could. And he brought people together. So and that's what people that win championships do. And if you're winning mm-hmm. that much, I, yeah, it all makes sense when you hear the stories. And like when I meet you and I can tell how good of a person you are and the way you treat our, my parents when you show up in Brampton and how honest you are that's what wins championships is championship people, I think. And I, I was lucky enough to win a handful of times and it was because you're with people that are great people. Yeah. It, it, there's a lot of things that got to go right to win. And, and that's what people don't realize. It's, it's, it's really, really hard to win. And a lot of things have got to fall into place. Absolutely. Um, Okay. I, one of my questions that I always wonder is because now when I meet people, especially on the podcast, you can tell how people are. I think I could give a scouting report on every player that comes on based on how they podcast with me. Um, But I'm wondering how often, like after a game in Bantam hockey, are your scouts or you, eyeing up the parents like how big are they right you have to be looking at the genetics well i mean i think the scouts do that more like when you're a gm coach like i was um you 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 couldn't spend as much time as you wanted doing that stuff so you had to rely you know, on your that was that was kind of what the scouts did but there's no doubt yeah you rely on your scouts and uh i think uh there's no doubt that they do bring stuff like that up like you know, but they're wrong sometimes too, because they'll say, oh, this guy's dad's small, his mom's small, he's going to be small. And if you look at Brent Burns and he saw his mom and dad, you would think he's going to be small and he's 6'5". So I don't know if that thing kind of works sometimes. Well, you know, but there's no doubt they do that. Well, if you look at me and my old man, you pretty well nailed the pin on the donkey. <laughs> well, but I mean, that's why sometimes... You know, there's different le- ways to develop as a hockey player. And sometimes if guys need more time, then they've got to look at different routes, right? Like, it, you know what? It's, you know what? It, it is what it is. Like, people find their ways. You know, I've coached, I've had a lot of kids that skated with me. Like, I ran summer skates for 25 years um, in the summer. Uh, and I had guys that came through that program. And some of them were late developers, like, uh, uh, Drake Cajulo and then Devin Shore. They're both playing in the NHL now. Uh, very similar type players to you at your when you were that age. And they went, they, they needed more time to develop, which they did. And they got to where they wanted to go in the end anyways. Yeah, no, everybody does get better at different ages or I guess just stop improving or not improving at as drastic of a fashion, right? And it's all, everybody's got a different, the different, bell curve and, then, guess, and that's eh? why and that's why scouting's an inexact science because you don't know where people are in their trajectory line so you don't know if the players as good as they're going to be or if you don't know if the like the players got a long ways to go and i scouts can say all they want i don't if they're honest like i am they don't they don't have a clue well and yet there's a lot of other factors that go in especially when you're you're talking about young men is there's a lot of personal things that could happen where like family issue, anything, right? Like just picking a player does. There's so many other factors, whether or not that all pans out. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know what? Uh, they lose their focus. They've get other interests. There's so many other things that can happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. I got to figure out if I had anything else for us to talk about. Um, yeah, I do winning the, I haven't looked at my notes yet. That's when I know I'm feeling it. Um, Winning the gold medal for the 18 and under, where did that happen? What country and what were the players on that team? Yeah, that was kind of a weird thing because I did my tour of duty with Hockey Canada in the early 2000s. And the last thing I ever thought I'd be doing is, uh, you know, it was other guys' opportunities. And what happened in 2015, just to fill you in a little bit, is they had named their coaches and then Sheldon Keith got the Marley job and 
DJ Smith got the assistant job with the Leafs, and now they were they reorganized. And Kelly McCrimmon, who's now the GM in, in uh, Vegas, he was supposed to coach the under 18 team, and he went up to uh, the World Junior team with Dave Lowry, who's a coach of Winnipeg. So I got a call from Tom Rennie. Um, and Tom and I had coached together in 99, 22 years ago now. And he called me and he says, what are you doing for the summer? And I said, well, I think I'm going to go on a holiday. Um, I think to California that year. And he says, well, there's an opportunity um, if you'd like to do it where, you know, we need, we need someone in short notice to coach the under 18 team at the Ivan Alinka in the Czech Republic. Would you consider it? And I said, well, obviously anytime you're given an opportunity to coach your country, um, it would be neat. And we had just lost in the OHL final that year. So even though I was an, an old man by hockey standards, I mean, late fifties at the time, I said, you know what, I want to do this for a couple of reasons. A, I want to represent my country and, and B, I want to see, see if I still got it. And, you know, I can go in a setting like that and be competitive. So we went over there. Uh, we ended up winning seven straight games and winning the gold medal. We beat Sweden in the final uh, seven to three. Off uh, that team, our two goalies were Carter Hart and Dylan Wells. Um, on defense, we had like Victor Mente, Dante Fabro, Jake Bean. Um, I'm trying to think of who else we. Uh, Sammy Gerard. Um, you know, we 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 had a very good defense and up front. We had Pierre Luc, Pierre Luc Dubois, Tyson Joes, Nolan Patrick, uh, Jordan Cairo, Michael McLeod, Dylan Dubay, uh, Will Bitten. Uh, Tanner Kasper, we, we had, a, we had a good team. So it was, it was kind of neat to go and coach team Canada again and, uh, you know, get to work with all those players. And, you know, obviously, uh, you know, uh, you're playing against good teams, right? Like that's what sometimes Canadians don't realize is how good hockey is in other parts of the world, like the Swedes and the Russians and that they're, they're extremely talented. So that was kind of neat. And, uh, you know, I think they had won seven Ivan Alinka in a row, so it wasn't like there was any pressure on me. And uh, we were able to, to get the job done, and uh, it was kind of a neat experience. Uh, I actually got Andrew Werner, uh, was my goalie coach, who's from Peterborough, and I knew, I knew Andrew since he was nine years old as, as a guy that played against me in the GTHL. So it was kind of neat to share something like that with him as well. I, yeah, no, winning a gold medal for your country. I think if any player ever gets that opportunity, they should do it. Um, that's why I never really understood. The, I understand for some players, like the very cream of the crop for the world championships that it can get tiring playing in the NHL, but to play for your country in the world championships, like, and like you said, people don't understand in Canada, how good these other countries are. Like I went over there and somewhat saw it, but like, Switzerland is way better than you'd think. Sweden is like all of them are. And uh, uh, you, you, you look at the Swiss elite league. I mean, that's one of the best leagues in the world. And, I played uh, a game against them. We lost seven, nothing. And they chanted, what league are you from? And uh, we were from the second league in Germany, which was not very good. And they just polished us. Well, and you, and you know, playing in Germany, how good the DEL is. And, you know, and I mean, I, I mean, one of my favorite teams right now, my mother was from Belfast, Ireland. So one of my favorite teams are the Belfast Giants for no reason other than that's where my mom was born. And it's, <laughs> I kind of follow them, you know, in the British League. And, and obviously I know Adam Keith pretty well, Sheldon's little brother. Yeah. Played for the Kitchen Rangers. And uh, it's really, really neat to see how hockey's caught on there. And, and, and I've had a lot of players go over and play in those leagues. And so you try to follow those guys the best you can as well. No, I, I played in that league and I played against Kiefer and Adam, like he was, he hit harder than anybody else I've played against um, when he was playing in Belfast. Like he, he, I used to try to reverse hit guys a lot. And there were a couple times where I thought it was possible and man, did he like, he just hit so different than any other player I played against. Yeah, he was a hard-nosed player. He was tough. He wasn't as skilled as Sheldon. Sheldon was unbelievably skilled. Not that Adam was not, but he, you know, he he was a hard-nosed, tough player. And you know, he played for Pete DeBoer there and uh, Kitcher, and they had some good teams. And you know, he was a big part of them. Yeah, yeah, no. And then he was such a competitor that uh, I knew he'd do well in coaching. And now he's the head coach of Belfast after he was there playing. And 
Um, yeah, it's interesting seeing all the guys that get into coaching and where it could take them. But like, you're the one guy that play that coached one team for 22 years. Like, look at the mess all these other guys are living with, moving all over the place, jumping around. Like, you stayed on one team for 22 years. Yeah, I was very fortunate. I was really lucky. I worked for a great owner and Scott Abbott. Uh, he, he was he was a great owner and. You know, I had opportunities to move up a few times, but, uh, you know, rightly or wrongly, uh, I decided to stay where I was and he was a great boss to work for. And, you know, I mean, my only regret in the time I was with him, although we had a lot of gr- really good teams and great years, uh, you know, we did, we came, you know, you know, a little, we were close a couple of times and just missed out. I wish we could have uh, delivered him uh, a championship in that time. Yeah, it's tough when you when you're with great people and you don't actually get it done. I know the feeling because um, when you do win and you know what it's like and you would have known with Wexford beforehand um, when and with Canada, then like winning is just so it's you know what someone wise once told me it's the exact opposite of losing. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a good analogy. I mean, uh, maybe you wrote your MBA thesis on that. I don't know, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, that's that's a very true true statement. <laughs> no, actually, when I was moving here, I had a whole plan of working at the same generating facility as Parrot, and I wrote every paper on that place, and I know everything there is to know about the place. But no, I I found good people at Superheat, and uh, I'm I'm doing heat treatment, um, and I work I'm running an engineering department so it's all worked out here in concordant and i live in a great place i'm right by the water and yeah no we were like free agents out of hockey and it was like well where should we live and concordant really is don't tell everybody but concordant really is like as nice as it gets in the world listen a lot of guys i mean pete DeBoer is up in grand bend steve biankowski who's ran the ran the kitchen rangers for a long time he's up there and i mean I mean, you look at the O'Reilly family. I mean, his mother grew up in downtown Toronto and, she, and they, and they, you know, she met her husband, Brian at Ryerson there and they moved up to Godridge. So no, I've, I've been in my, when I was a kid, I played a lot of fastball too. And I, I, I was in a few tournaments in Godridge and I actually, um, I had a kid play for me that was originally played for me at Wexford that was originally from Concordia. So I remember when the family, the dad was getting transferred and he was moving to, I believe, the Pickering nuclear plant from the one up there. I actually drove up to Concord and uh, to recruit the player in Bantam hockey. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> the, the nuclear plant, apparently, back in the day, if you were a good hockey player, they'd, they'd, they'd get you in. But uh, times have changed and whatnot. And uh I ended up uh, struggling out of hockey and then I met a great guy at a playground playing with my kids and uh, one thing led to another and uh, now I'm working with great people at Superheat and they actually let me run their engineering department so um, good for you you know what Uh, life's all about relationships and if you have the if you have the type of personality that can endear yourself to other people and develop relationships. A lot of times it, uh, it opens up doors. And then when you get through those doors, it's up to you what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And hockey players, when you look at it, like, like guys like you put you through, um, you realize how hard you can work. And um, yeah, like I think hockey players learn how hard to work because you do push yourselves a lot further than most people do in a day. Right. Yeah, there's no doubt. I, I hockey players throw their watch in the garbage, and they know they got to do what they got to do to get done and the job done. And I mean, that's the way. You know, whether you're a player or coach, right? Uh, you know, you got to get the job done, and no matter how much time it takes, that's the way it is. Yeah, and I think um, and dealing with great people makes work and uh, jobs way better. And that's what you did in Brampton, and then I guess North Bay, which. The only other thing I got then before we shut this down, I think, is how big of a change was it? And why do you go from Brampton to North Bay? Because living in Brampton as the battalion, that has to be a different battalion that's living in North Bay because they're a little bit different cities. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I'm, I'm, I lived in Scarborough, so I never moved. My wife was a teacher in Scarborough. 
So I commuted every day, which was people know where Scarborough is to Brampton. I was about an hour and 10 in the morning and on the 407, maybe two hours home at night. So community didn't bother me. I used to stop and watch some AAA midget games on the way home. Um, it was just something the owner made a decision. He just felt that the crowds weren't where they needed to be in uh, Brampton. So he decided to move the team and, you know, there's only 20 jobs in the Ontario Hockey League. And, you know, he asked me to move up here and, and coach the team. And our first three years up here, uh, we had great success. Uh, the first year we lost in the final, second year conference final to Oshawa, and they won the Memorial Cup. And then the third year we, we did well in the playoffs too. So, you know, we, we moved up here. It was uh, being a, a guy that grew up in Toronto my whole life. It was a little bit of a culture shock, but uh you know, it's probably similar to King Carden, right? It's, uh, there's two lakes in the city, uh, in the city, and then 100 lakes within 10 minutes of the city. It's, you know, 50,000 people. And, you know, for me, it's small town because I've grown up in a big city and, you know, the people are nice uh, when you're winning. And uh, you you get a, it's probably similar to Owen Sound, you get a real appreciation when in Brampton, I mean, no one other than the hardcore hockey fans even knew what you did. So, I mean, you go to the restaurant three minutes from the Powerade Center and no one even knew who you were. It was actually great in a sense, like our high school there, Turner Fenton, like Matt Duchesne and, you know, Rusty Klesla and Rafi and Spezza, they all went to school there. And and it was a very multicultural school. So a lot of the guy kids there didn't follow hockey. So they didn't even know who these guys were. Yeah, no, Um what Rodislav Klesler, whatever his name was, he was at the Brampton camp with me, I think. And then I was at a Columbus Blue Jackets training camp with him. And I still don't think he knows who I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we just called him Rusty. But yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, yeah. That year there, he was drafted fourth overall to Columbus and Rafi was drafted fifth overall to the Islanders. Yeah. To uh, Rafi was a guy I, I, uh, yeah, he was an interesting cat that drive home <laughs> from the rink. Um, but like he was a high school kid and a bit rambunctious, but like I, a, a kid that drives around in the, the concessions around King Carden and the back roads of Elmira, and then to get in a truck with him in Brampton. Um, I, I, I haven't forgotten that drive home. <laughs> <laughs> it was like watching him play uh, hockey, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah reckless but no it was uh he was a great guy and great to me but i wanted to say uh i guess to wrap it up do you have anything else you would like to say before we end this no no it's just it's it's just great to reconnect with you and uh it, you know i mean if i didn't know better uh, with covid going on i would think that uh that's you're in a sitting in a dressing room in uh Carden arena but uh yeah no i it's uh it's great to talk to you and I'm glad everything's going well for you. And uh, it's nice that you're, you know, with this podcast, you're still uh, doing some hockey stuff. Yeah. Knowing no, you, you're probably playing a men's league as well, right? Ah, uh, I actually played voluntarily for a bit there in senior A and got like body checked and cross checked. And, oh, um, I don't really understand why I did it, but I did. And I met a lot of people around here and I met a lot of great people and, uh, I guess I kind of met another generation of guys around Concordia because they're all about 10 years younger than me when I was playing, but um, hockey brings people together. And um, the one thing I'd say is living around here in a small town is I personally think hockey is uh, like living in a small town. The, the bad people, the guys that don't do business correctly, the guys that don't treat people well and with respect that comes out in a small town. It comes out in the hockey world. And um, I think that's how you become a coach for 22 years on one team. That's how you um, end up coaching the world juniors after coaching Riley, o Ryan O'Reilly's mom at basketball. Uh, yeah, I never coached Ryan. I would have loved that Ryan on my team. It would have made my teams better. Oh, de uh, but, definitely. Uh, I'll never no, forget. I just, I, yeah, my, my claim to fame there is I coached his mom in basketball. That's true. East Riverdale Community Center. So. Well, you, you know, go. you know, when you skate with people and you just know how much better they better yeah. than you, they are. When I skated with him and Godrich and I was, 
I was getting ready to play in Cardiff in the UK. And um, when I skated with him, I realized how far away I was. <laughs> um, and that was the year or no, it was a couple years later, I guess that was a long time ago, but then, yeah, that he won it a few years later. And uh, I actually stood in the line with all the people just to go get the family picture with them with all the trophies. But like for my kids, I had to do it. And then we get up there and I don't even know if he realized like if he, that he knew me, I'm like, Hey man, I was skating with you like the last few summers that he looked at me. He goes, Oh yeah. How you do it? <laughs> like, it's, it's just hilarious. Uh, well, and his brother, his brother was a decent Cal Cal Riley was a decent player too. So. Yeah, He was out there skating too. <laughs> yeah. Like they, they really were. And uh, they helped me when I moved here. I, I, th that's how I started meeting people actually was. Yeah. I mean, uh, the one player that I had came, that came from that area that actually played really well for me in North Bay was a guy named Ray either. I don't know if he's up in that neighborhood, but he plays at Western uh, University, but uh, he's up from that area, Godwich, Concordia area as well. Okay, no, I'm, I I don't know him, but I think I'm too old and I never kept track of anybody on younger than me. Um, but you would have had to do that for a long, long time, yeah. eh? Too long. Not anymore, though, but too long. Yeah, it's time to give the brain a break if you've been keeping track of uh, the next crop of junior kids for 22 years just take a moment man because i can't imagine i didn't even know the year below me because i was so focused on my year yeah no it's true that's what uh, like you say as a hockey player you worry about the game tonight not the one tomorrow yeah well thank you so much and like yeah, no i problem. uh yeah it's it's been great to uh catch up with you and uh this is the hockey world. I just randomly write to you out of nowhere after not seeing you since I was a young pimpled 15 year old kid and um, you giving me the advice I needed to hear and um, not beating around the bush. Um, yeah, I, I, I think you're a great hockey man and uh, that's why I wanted to bring you on for your pad tap. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks Brent. You have a good evening. All right, and that has been another episode. Some people clap on a one and three. Some people clap on a two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm, and that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive them. I'm like Scott from San Diego bands. I'm like Pete South Town's Van Van. I'm always speaking my mind.